Hello, everyone, and welcome back to today's episode on Movius Ministries Podcast. This is your friend and host, Josiah. Thank you so much for tuning in today, you guys. Um, we're going to be getting into uh, another uh, message about knowing your identity in Christ. This is going to be part six. If you have not listened to the other ones, please go listen to them. Um, I have just been really enjoying uh, these these um, the series that we've been going through about looking at the scriptures and who we are in Christ, who we were before we came to Christ, um, and just diving deep into all that. This is season 23, episode 228, and here on Movius Ministries, I, with the help of the Holy Spirit, thank God, do my best to interpret scripture, help you grow in your intimacy with the Lord, encourage you to remain steadfast through tough seasons as we ultimately uh, continue to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. What a glorious day that will be when we see him return, whether that's, I mean, that's that's me assuming, wondering if that's going to be in our day and age, I'm not sure. Only God knows. So if you are new to my podcast or have been listening for some time now, either way, welcome. I am so glad that you're here. Over two years ago, God told me to start this podcast and start using the teaching gift that he has given me. Uh, and my only prayer in today's episode, or my, if I could pray anything, it would be that God's will is done in your life in today's episode. If you have any questions or comments about today's sermon, you can email me at josiahmovius12 at yahoo.com. Anything you want to reach out to me for, please, I'm here to help. I'm the Lord's servant, and I want to be able to help anyone where they're at, whether they're saved or not, and just and just lead them in the right way with, with whatever they need help with. Um, we did, I actually did have a response um, from yesterday, uh, last week's poll. And uh, I believe it was, um, has this series been helping you fight sin better? Or have you been getting more victory in that? And one person did answer yes. And I am so glad to hear that. I, I know the struggle that, that we deal with sometimes, whether it's daily or um, it's, there's small seasons of it, of battling with sin. There's a, there's a struggle. There's a, a thing in you that doesn't like sinning and that's the born again you that is that is the 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 same thing that paul uh we we went so in depth in this beloved just a couple weeks ago in romans 7 about paul's struggle as well that he he was struggling with the law and he gets super deep and we dove super deep into it so if you haven't listened to it please go listen to it but the verse of the day today is uh, going to be out of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. And I actually, my poor Bible, my on-hand amplified Bible, Ephesians in my Bible, chapters 1, 2, <clears throat> 3, and part of chapter 4, the whole page is kind of like ripped out because... It's just, it, it's gone through a lot, I guess. Um, so I'm, I, I carefully was flipping to Ephesians as I know the whole page is, it's ripped out by itself, but it's still kind of tucked in there, if that makes sense. But anyway, here's what it says. Ephesians 5.20 Always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I did a message here in my podcast uh, a little while ago 
about giving God thanks in all seasons, and I, I've I, I've continued to give God thanks. Some of you guys know about my testimony about the car that I waited for, uh, the Lincoln that I drive, and recently I've just been really uh, thank a lot more thankful for my car, and just really again having those little moments of awe, of like oh my gosh Lord, like you really did bless me with this. So, and just having a lot of intimacy with the Holy Spirit in those moments. It's a great verse. So yeah, let's you know, and we can even look 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 at that verse through the lens of <clears throat> thanking God for our salvation through Christ and uh, praising God for that and just worshiping Him and uh, whether that's whether that's worshiping like as if you're singing a song or in your daily living. So let's open in prayer. Abba, we come before you, and Lord, I oh, I thank you just for that sea of glass that is in heaven before your throne. Just one way that we can look at your glory again and stand in awe of it. Father, uh, we just we lay everything at your feet right now. Whatever we're dealing with, we surrender our anxieties. We come to you knowing that you loved us and you still love us, that you sent your son to die for our sins. I pray for living understanding, Lord. I pray that as we get into today's message and we're going in a different we're going on a different tangent through understanding our identity in Christ, we're gonna look at spiritual warfare. I pray that Lord I'm I'm gonna get super in depth and I just pray that the words I say would really equip your body, that they would stand bold after this episode and know more their identity in Christ and that it would flourish to know your will more and to have more fruit in their lives, but to also not just have a good response, but to also praise you, Father, just leaving, praising you, knowing what you did for us on the cross. Holy Spirit, we ask again that you'd open our eyes to the beauty of, of, of Jesus Christ. I ask for grace in my weakness, Lord. And I pray for whatever whatever season my listener is 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 uh is going through, that they would just be faithful with what you're calling them to do. I just pray for understanding through confusion. I thank you that we can lean on you in moments of trials and that we can consider it joy knowing that you have an amazing agenda behind that for our own good so that we may love you and so that you can work all things for good. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Alright, if you like to know the song that's playing in the background, I've played it a few times in the past. It's called Set Us on Fire by Waldner Worship. Let's dive right in. Take notes, beloved. I, I'm, I Seriously, whether it's on your phone or you're writing it down. Um, if I wanted you to take notes for any particular sermon, out of all the sermons that I've preached by the grace of God, it would be this one. We're going to get into a ton. I have the word ton in full caps there in my notes. A ton of scripture. I have almost 21 pages here of stuff that God really blessed me with to equip all of you, beloved. I was coming to tears when I was preparing this message because I was so excited to really equip you you all through spiritual warfare. So today we're going to be looking at how we can know our identity in Christ through spiritual warfare. We're going to get really, really deep. This has been a message that's that's I've just I've wanted to talk about spiritual warfare for quite some time now. Um, it's been on my heart, and the Lord's now allowing me to speak on it. So, Lord, thank you. Um, but I just you know this is this is going to be really really good. This is this is really going to be good for me too. I I've been I've been getting a lot better at just knowing my identity and just living in peace through the Holy Spirit. It's I can't explain it, but I've been seeing a lot of changing in my emotions and the way that I think it's just you know God's doing something I can't explain what it is but it's all by his grace it's not by anything I've done it's not if you hear that when someone's telling you how good they're doing and and if you're hearing that that's the enemy he's trying to shame you he's trying to say oh they're better than you they're doing better than you and that's that's not the gospel that that's not right I do have a water today's episode, just to let you guys know. I had a really good workout today. I got to clean my mentor's house. Some of you guys have heard me mention him before. His name is Jim. Um, his name is Jim and he owns a gym. I say that to everyone, but anyway. I had, I had a really good meal. I had some rice and kielbasa, I think that's how you pronounce it, and uh, some grass-fed um, steak sirloin, I think it was. It's so good. I, you get it. I just got a membership at Costco, and it's so, so good. Last week, we got into the well-known, famous Romans chapter 8. We got deeper into how Christ has set us free from the law, uh, what that makes us, and how we can have confidence in what he did for us. <clears throat> Today, uh, we're, gonna, we're, we're going to get back into the epistles, Lord willing. We previously have gone through Ephesians 1 and 2 and Colossians 1. Uh, Today, we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 6, um, and we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 17, again, Lord willing. Uh, I think we also, we we obviously went through uh, uh, Romans 7 and Romans 8 as well as the other epistles. Because, beloved, I, I want us to get into knowing our identity in Christ through spiritual warfare. Mental health has obviously take, taken a greater toll uh, on the world since COVID hit. We deal with thoughts on a daily basis. A, a, thought ha- a thought has to come from something, some kind of thing that is happening or did happen in the past. That may not be the case all the time, but I, I do believe that can be the case most of the time. That's, that's an off note right there. I thought coming from... A thought coming from something a thought coming from something is what you would define as spiritual warfare that that's what I would believe 
but we can also have other thoughts from things that have been said or done to us in the past. So what I'm trying to break down there is that a thought can sometimes come from spiritual warfare, meaning it's something from a demon or it's something from Satan himself. But I think we can also produce thoughts that things that have happened to us from the past in a relational issue. I really do believe that's true. I've, I've, I've done my own study on that in my own life and that's been my experience. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, that's just, that's just been my experience. That's all I'm gonna say. Can Satan use things that have been said to us in the past against us to accuse us? Yes. I'm gonna ask that one more time. Can Satan use things that have been said to us in the past against us? To accuse us, yes. Does he need help by others saying hurtful things to accuse more people? No. The reason why I explained all of that is simply this. Our childhoods have an effect on us today. They really do. And if you if you think that's wrong, if you think that's like if you, if you want to take a huge wreath and say that's like a new age, or you want to say like, um, that's just, that's not spiritual, it's not right, um, I, I think it's a lack of humility. Uh, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, or whatever age you are, um, your childhood has some kind of effect on how you act psychologically, mentally, emotionally today. Sometimes thoughts that we deal with uh, that may hurt us can come from childhood trauma. But again, does Satan, the accuser of the brethren, need those people's help? What I mean by people's help are the people that may say hurtful things to us as we grow up as a child in order to accuse people more and more? No. What I'm asking there, just to kind of clarify, just, just to make sure I don't sound confusing, does Satan need people's does Satan need people to say hurtful things to people in order for him to accuse people? No. When we understand it that way, it helps us not to blame shift. We can be hurt by people who have hurt us in the past. But I would encourage you guys with 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 12 through 13, this is out of the ESV, this is what I would encourage you with, uh, with people who may be saying hurtful things to you, whether they have in the past or you're in a season right now where you're being tested, your faith is being tested, your character is being tested, and people are saying hurtful things to you, whether it's in your family or your workplace or, or wherever. 1 Corinthians 4, 12-13 out of the ESV, when, re when reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. Now, I only quoted part of verse 12, but I think it's okay, so... For me, that type of thinking can help me be more humble as well through working through the process of dealing with certain thoughts. So with that, let's dive into Ephesians 6 here, starting in verse 10. In conclusion, well, the, the, the title here, I want to start with that first, actually. Starting in verse 10, the title, for those of you that don't know what the title is, sometimes when you read your Bible, there'll be a little heading above the next verse that you're going to read to help you understand you know, I, I could throw the word context in there again about what Paul's essentially saying. Um, just to give you just a little bit of a glimpse. Maybe not the whole thing, but just a glimpse of what the context is. 
So verse 10, in conclusion, be strong. Remember that word, be strong. We're going to come back to that. In the Lord. We're going to be reading out of the Amplified as well. I should have I should have made that clear. I'm sorry. Be strong in the Lord. Draw your strength from him and be empowered through your union with him and in the power of his boundless might. Boundless is the Amplified right there. Think about that. It's saying... When it says his might, in the Greek, it means his boundless might. That's that's what the Amplified does there. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier. That's the Amplified. Just that, that little part that I just read. Back to the original text. So that you will so that you may be able to successfully stand up against the schemes and the strategies uh, and the deceits of the devil. This is from David Guzik. David's going to close in here uh, on this uh, in these in these words. In conclusion, this comes at the end of a letter, a letter in which Paul has carefully established our place in Christ, and then the basics of the Christian walk. This this is the last section dealing with that walk. This is his last section, his meaning Paul, dealing with that walk, the walk of Christianity. If you remember, like in the book of Acts, it Christians were uh, were um, they were called the way. And the reason I say that is just because of like how David says here, dealing with that walk. I'm just kind of relating it with that, so. For Paul to write finally, um, now, okay, let me actually, so I, I was I was reading David Guzik's study notes out of his um, reading through the ESV, so um, you'll read in Ephesians 6.10 out of the Amplified to say in conclusion, but the ESV will say finally. So when I say for Paul to write finally, it's, it's, it's the same thing as in conclusion, okay? For Paul to write finally here means that he speaks in light of all he has previously said. In light that all has in in light of all that God has done for you, looking looking to his son and what Jesus did for you. In light of the glorious standing you have as a child of God. Because beloved, we know not everyone is a child of God. We were not we were sheep who have gone our own way. That's who we were. Before we came to Christ, we were children of wrath. We read that in Ephesians 2. In light of his great plan of the ages that God has made you a part of. In light of the plan for Christian maturity and growth he gives to you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I added that that last part. but In light of the conduct God calls every believer to live. In light of the filling of the Spirit and our walk in the Spirit. In light of all this, there is a battle to fight in the Christian life. Let's go back to verse 10 here, where it says, Be strong. Now, it's one Greek word here. It's the it's the Greek, endramao. endramao. Now, there aren't any big definitions here that are really eye-opening, 
that I when I when I looked at Blue Letter Bible, but I tried looking at some other verses that use this word. Some some other verses in the New, in the New Testament that use use this 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 Greek word be strong, eremao. This word is only used seven other times in the New Testament, and one of them is found in 2 Timothy 2.1. This is out of the ESV. You then, my child, be strengthened. That's the word. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So we're going to tie this in real quick. So based on 2 Timothy 2.1, how do we be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus? The way I look at it is see how much grace Christ has. The scripture clearly states that he was full of grace and truth. When I see that he is full of grace and gives grace to the humble, then I then gather strength from him by humbling myself daily and asking for his grace in a time of need. That's what it means to, as Paul says, be strong in the Lord. Those who are strong in the Lord are the humble. That's the way I would translate it. David Guzik says it like this, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Literally, Paul wrote, strengthen yourself in the Lord. He probably took the idea from uh, 1, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. This is it out of the Amplified? Further, uh, David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. For all of them were embittered, each man for his sons and daughters. But David felt strengthened and encouraged in the Lord his God. Even if we look deeper into 1 Samuel 36, there are moments when we can feel greatly distressed. I've had those moments, well, that you've heard me talk about those moments, and I'm sure you have too. And there are moments where we, we, can, we can get our strength from God and humble ourselves. So the Amplified Bible does, uh, explains putting on the full armor of God as his precepts being part of the armor. That's what part of that means. Put it, the Amplified describes putting on the full armor of God as what of that, part, of, part of what that means is is God's precepts being part of that armor, God's commands. Because it will help us stand strong against the schemes of the devil. One of the devil's schemes is to get us to fall into sin or habitually sinning. That's what he wants us to do because that's what he's doing in the disobedient. They're fighting against the purposes of God. They're unbelieving. They're habitually sinning. Hanging on to God's precepts and having reverence for God's commands will help us put on that armor. This is from David Guzik. Before a soldier is given a gun or shown how to fire a missile, he goes through basic training. I, gosh, I, oh my gosh, there's some really good stuff by, by Guzik that I found that's so intriguing. So I just, I just, I had to say that because it's, I love this note right here. One great purpose for basic training is to build up the recruit's physical strength. It is as if the army says, Soldier, we are going to give you the best weapons and armor possible. 
But first, we have to make sure that you are strong and that you can use what we give you. Near the end of this message, Lord willing, I am going to really equip you guys on how to stand up against the enemy when it feels like you are in spiritual warfare. Um, I'm also going to be really vulnerable and share some warfare battles that I deal with. Like I'm going to really share some of the things that I that I deal with. I'm going to be really vulnerable. That's that's part of. I mean, God's really given me the grace to be able to be vulnerable. You guys have heard. You guys have seen me be able to practice that, and I'm grateful that God's grace is able to equip me and and to and to show you guys that even though I do a podcast and I've got a I, I you can. Some people may put me on a pedestal. I still deal with things. I'm, I'm a broken person. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Or you could call me a, a saint who does sin. And I'm also going to show you kind of how I'm working through those certain spiritual warfares. Back to, back to, uh, back to Guzik. In having action in spiritual warfare, it is not I do everything and God does nothing. It's not also I do nothing and God does everything. It is not I can I, I, I can do all I can and God helps with what I can't. Each of these approaches falls short. The key is for is for me to by faith rely on his might and rely on it more and more and then do the work. So verse 12, for our struggle, remember that, remember that word struggle, is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly uh, supernatural places. Now places there is italicized, and for those of you that don't know, I... What what it, whenever you read a word that's italicized, it means that um, that word was not found in original manuscripts, but that they're just adding it in there to help you understand the script better. So struggle here that we that we read near the at the beginning of verse twelve can also translate into wrestle, and I like that translation a lot actually. You'll hear other translations that say we wrestle again, not against flesh and blood. When we look at the evil or injustices of this world, we have to remember that it's not them that we're fighting against, but that we should pray for them. We did a message here in my podcast a while ago about understanding intercession. And we went through, I think, 1 Timothy 2, um, and I think another verse here in Ephesians 6. But um, yeah, we should pray for them. Another reason why we get our strength from God is because we are not fighting against human power. As we see here in verse 12, beloved, you know this verse. And if you don't, well, now you know. The reason why we get our strength from God is because we are not fighting against human power. We need God's power in order to fight against other spiritual forces. So verse 13, therefore put on the complete armor. Remember that word armor, we're going to come back to that. The complete armor of God, so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the day, in, in, in the evil day of danger. And having done everything, 
that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, and victorious. This is another one of God's promises. If you do this, and what I mean by do this is is put on the complete armor of God. You will stand strong in spiritual warfare, whether in accusations, whether it's from someone else or the devil or temptations to sin. Now the word armor here, this is this is the this is a really interesting word. We're gonna dive into this. The ancient Greek word for armor is only used I, I want you to guess how many other times in the New Testament is this word used? It's only used one other time. And we find it in Luke 11, 21 through 22. And don't worry, we're going to break down the context of this in a second. Lord willing. Jesus speaks of the strong man who is fully armored, but is striped of all his armor when a stronger one comes and defeats him. This, this is a verse that can really seem can take out of context. So we're going we're gonna to break it down in a second. Don't worry. We know that Jesus disarmed all principalities and powers, that's said in Colossians 2.15. Now, the context behind Luke 11.21-22 through 22 is, is, is the story about the crowds saying that Jesus was casting out devils by the power of devils. Jesus is, uh, Jesus is I believe, explaining himself that he is the strong man who was fully armed and able to, to defeat all powers. That's what I believe about that verse. And when you think, just going off note real quick, like when you think about Jesus being that guy, it makes all the more sense to why the armor of God can make you stand strong against the ones that may come against you, whether it's humans or like actual demons. Some of you guys remember me working at Havenwick Hospital. I was only there for a season, but I really did enjoy that job. And I, I do miss that job a lot, actually. I thought about going back, but I'd have to work the weekends, and I can't do that. I'm not working on the weekends. So, I mean, on Saturdays, I work on my podcast anyway. So, well, anyway, I used to work with a coworker and a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine named Johnny. And I used to confess a lot of sin to him when I would struggle with erotic thoughts at work. And he gave me a pretty good tactic to do in moments of struggling with that particular sin. He said to think, to say, uh, to say this: "Lord, rebuke you, Satan. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God." Um, I'm telling you, like that really did work. It really did. It would come back, like you know, maybe five minutes later and 10 minutes later. But when I would say it, like it would, it would stop. And you, you know that, let, let me make this disclaimer right here real quick. If you're kind of in that season where I'm trying to, I'm trying to think about how to say this. I want to choose my words carefully. If you're in that season where you do feel like you're going through some kind of a spiritual warfare, and the thoughts just keep racing and you're, you're putting verses into practice. You're like James says, you know, resist the devil and he will flee. Humble yourself under the mighty head of God and he will lift you up. It's James 4.10. 
and you feel like it just keeps happening, um, you could be going through what I would define as a job or a sifting season. Um, Jesus says the, the well-known verse in Luke 22 that Satan has asked to sift you. You there in the Greek is actually uh, plural. So Satan actually asked to sift all 12 disciples. Now, I don't know how you would really conclude Judas in there because he kind of walked away. Maybe he did. I, I don't know. But anyway, sift there in the Greek means, and I've, I think I've studied this before, but it means to uh, to to aggravate inwardly to overthrow one's faith. That may be what you're going through. That may be the type of season you're in. It could also be psychological that you're going through. I don't know. I think it would be very unwise for me to, to be behind this microphone with my MacBook in front of me and my, my Bible and my water bottle and everything and go, this is what you're going through. If I were to do that, that would be a huge premature judgment or a premature uh, assumption or discernment. So, this is where you go through your Proverbs 25 too. You're searching out a matter, but only God can conceal to you what he wants to conceal to you. Seek the Lord out and say, Lord, what am I going through if you are in that kind of season? So, I, I hope that makes sense. But I really, I mean, I, I still put it into practice today and it really does work. And the moments when it just keeps running and keeps running, I just, oh, I, I come closer to God and I go, Lord, help me. I'll hear Lord say things like the the verse, and I've 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 had moments of the Lord literally quoting Psalm fifty one over me, the verse, uh, verse seventeen. But I'll hear the Lord say, "I will not despise a broken and contrite heart," and it it, it is I, I I cannot express to you what it feels like to hear things like that. But it's so encouraging, and it it I feel so like held by the Lord saying like you do see me and you know what just one more thing and then we'll, we'll move on here in verse 14 lord willing oh um i was talking with a an old pastor of mine a while ago i texted him about i was it was another day where i was struggling with erotic thoughts and he i told him that i feel like i should be thanking god for my new heart how i've continued to confess my sin and he said that that's that's the right thing to do. And so that's another thing I've done where I do, I commit a sin that I don't want to do. I have that Romans 7 moment. Excuse me. And, um, and I say, oh, Lord. <sighs> Thank you for my new heart. Thank you that you've given that to me. So verse 14, so stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the, the, the wide band of truth, personal integrity, and moral courage around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in, in, uh, in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed steadiness and the readiness produced by the good news. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on, remember those two words, put on, we're going to come back to that. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I feel the peace of the Holy Spirit right now. So going back 
to verse 14 where it says, so, so uh, standing firm and holding, holding your ground. Standing firm and holding your ground means to put on the armor of God. When you put on the armor of God, you are standing firm and you are holding your ground. They're not two separate things. Guzik says it like this, put on the whole armor of God. The armor of God will be explained more fully in the next passage. But here, the emphasis is on the whole armor of God. God gives the believer a full set of equipment and he gives and he sends us out into battle with everything we need at our disposal. That is the truth, beloved. And I, I, this is this is the saying that we hear, and it really is true that he does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure if this is from Guzik or it's from me, but anyway, when we have moments of resisting sin, saying no to temptation, that is us putting on the band of truth. That's that's that that's what we're doing. In moments when someone comes to us with questions about Jesus or Christianity or whatever you want to call it, or you have a chance to evangelize, and then we do so, that's having moral courage. You are tightening the band of truth on you. That's what you're doing. That is that that's what it says in the text. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness, the Amplified here describes that as having an upright heart. What does what does this mean, having an upright heart? Honestly. For me, honestly, I think it means to agree with what God agrees with. To hate what is evil and love what is good. James and John both in their epistles explain to not love the sin of the world. James says if you love the things of this world, you make yourself to be an enemy of God. Uh, and then it's uh, 1 John 2.15, I believe. Where, I guess I'll just see if I can find it real quick. First John 2, uh, 15, 16, yeah, 15 and 16. So, the feet of the gospel, now going back to that, let's, let's find where we, let's, let's kind of find where that's at, where it says, um, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace. That explains itself through the Amplified, to be ready to face the enemy with firm footing and readiness to present the gospel. That's what that means. How can, be, how can we be ready to present the gospel with firm footing and readiness? I'm not trying to sound condescending at all either. I want to make that clear. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this. And that's probably the Holy Spirit giving you true living understanding as well. After all, he's the one who wrote this book. He knows how to interpret his word to us. But if you don't, but 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 if you don't understand where I'm going, that's fine as well. I'm gonna explain it in one second. So, Lord willing. In moments when the enemy accuses you of your salvation, or he puts lies in your head to make you second guess your place in Christ, or he just he plants thoughts in your mind that are just you don't want them. 
their, their, their accusational thoughts present the gospel. Satan, let me, I'm going to make this clear right here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to italicize here right now what I have written. Satan wouldn't be telling you these lies if there wasn't a truth. He wouldn't be telling you these lies if there wasn't a truth. He leads people away from the truth. That's what he's doing to the unbelieving. That's what he's doing to the unrepentant. Here are some ways that you can respond when the enemy accuses you. When Satan tells you that you're not saved or you're not God's child or that you're not doing enough for God, here's what I would say to him. For it is written and it forever remains written for the one who does not work and try to do good for their salvation but believes and completely trusts in him who justifies the ungodly. Their faith is credited, credited to him as righteousness. That's a paraphrase of Romans 4, 5. This is a way you can stand strong with the gospel of peace when the enemy throws his flaming arrows at you. Let me give you one more tactic that can help you in moments when the accuser comes to you. In moments when you start to, when you, when you, when you, mm, in moments when when the enemy, when Satan, I had to fix my notes, when Satan starts to say hurtful things to you or accusatory things, if you don't know a direct scripture to use like we just did for Romans 4, 5, right? Or how Jesus responded with direct scriptures in the book that we read today of Deuteronomy. When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and how he went to Deuteronomy. If you don't know what scripture to directly go to, say this. For it is written and forever remains written. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself up for me, said this about you. You are the father of lies and sit on a throne of lies. Get behind me, Satan. When we do these things, we are being doers of the word. That's James 1.22. And I also believe when we practice these things, we are putting up the shield of faith to stop the fiery flames of the, of the accuser of the brethren. Put on salvation, the helmet of salvation. I'm telling you, beloved, I believe in you. You can do this. And if you, if it's not spiritual warfare, seek the Lord. If you're confused on what it is, seek the Lord. If you have been doing so, you're great. Keep doing that. I'm so proud of you. Let's look a little bit deeper into this word, put on. I'm going to highlight my part right here because we're going we're gonna to go back here to, to Ephesians 6 where Paul says, um, verse 17, put on salvation as your helmet. Let's dive into that word a little bit. The ESV uses the word take. Um, the ESV literally says take the helmet of salvation. In the Greek, it can mean receive. Now that's really interesting to me. Think about that. Take in the Greek can mean receive. That's what it can literally translate into. Or put on can put on or take can translate into receive. 
Jesus uses, uh, Jesus actually uses this word in Matthew 10:40 out of the ESV, and he uses it a quite, quite a few times. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. We see that word show up four times. How do we receive something from Christ, beloved? How do we do that? How do we receive something from him that's going to empower us? I think part of it is agreeing with it and responding to it. Jesus said, those who are my sheep will respond to my voice. That is a truth. It's not, it, it, it's, it's, I, I just listened to a podcast by John Piper today when I was working out. When Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, it's not whether you have to figure out whether you're a sheep or not. If you are his sheep, you do listen to his voice. That's what he's saying. So again, I think it's, I think part of it is agreeing with it. Let's see, I'm on 44 minutes here. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to finish this up. I think I might have to make this into a two-part series. We'll find out in a sec. Now, this next small statement, I have to, I, 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 I have, I'm saying this with a, with a broken heart, not out of self-righteousness, but the reason why I think it's, the reason why I think it means to agree with it is because the unbeliever is unequipped for spiritual warfare. They cannot agree with what's not true about them. They can accept what hasn't been given to them. And it's it's a sad thing. I, I, I truly, I do not say that in a haughty way, but I say it with a broken heart. When we use the word of God against Satan to put him in his place and allow God to be glorified through that, we are using the sword of the spirit. The same sword... That's the truth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to italicize that right there. The same sword that Jesus used in the garden against the same devil that we face daily. Guzik says it like this, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. This describes the purpose for the strength of God and the armor of God, what we are to use them for. God has given his people a call, a mission, a, a course to fulfill. Satan will do his best to stop it. He will. When he attacks and when he intimidates, we are to stand. And beloved, I believe in you. You can do this. It is plain the, the, the same emphasis that Paul said to this church saying, you can do it, I'm saying the same thing to you. It is plain that this is Paul's emphasis on Ephesians 6.11 and 6.13. We do the Lord's work and stand against every hint of spiritual oppression. God gives the, Christ, uh, the, the Christian, the born-again believer, the saint, a glorious standing to maintain by faith in spiritual warfare. These next few verses are verses I'm going to equip you more into how um, my notes do not make sense here. My, okay, hang on. These next few verses are verses. 
O in how to more effectively use the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. In moments when we feel we are in moments when we feel we are made right with God, with works or doing the law, as we said, um, you can quote Romans four five. In moments when the enemy tries to accuse you in that and tries to make you um, feel like you're made right with God by works or the law, quote Romans four five. In any way that you want to quote it, that would be translated rightly, of course. But you can also quote Romans 5 too. We have gained access. I mean, you, you could say something like this. It is written and forever remains written. We have gained access by faith. This is Romans 5 too, Into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Real quick, just the, just the, just, just the end of the first sentence here in Romans 5 too, In which we stand. If you're standing somewhere, you don't go anywhere else. We stand in the God. Uh, this is this is from David Guzik. This is this is these are other verses that you can use against the enemy. We stand in the gospel. First Corinthians fifteen one. We stand in the gospel because of the hope of Christ that He has brought us through the finishing work of the cross for our sins. In moments when we have anxiety or worry, we can always remember. We know the verse Philippians four six through seven, but we can stand in courage and in strength. That's First Corinthians sixteen thirteen. We can stand in faith, 2 Corinthians 1.24, not works. We can stand in liberty, Galatians 5.1. We do this because Christ has set us free, the only one who was able to set us free from the curse of the law. He's the, he was the only one, beloved, and he did it for you. In moments of when we are tempted to slander a brother either behind their backs or in person, uh, we can stand in Christian unity. That's Philippians 1.27. Because we regard no one by the flesh who are in Christ. That's uh, the, the, uh, the, the well-known chapter 2 Corinthians 5. I think it's... I mean, it might be... 2 Corinthians 15. No, I think it's it's 2 Corinthians 5. We stand in the Lord, Philippians 4.1. We are confident in him. We can be confident when, uh, when the enemy accuses us uh, for our sins. Because like we said last week, who can be successful against us? Who can accuse whom God has justified? And... Even if they do accuse you, how can they be, they they can't be successful towards it? That's what that's what we read last week in the Amplified. <clears throat> we should stand perfect and complete in the will of God. That's Colossians four twelve. When we have the circumcised heart that the prophet Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy thirty six, and then see it prophesied again in Ezekiel thirty six twenty six about God giving his people a heart of flesh. When we receive that, we then start to experience the Holy Spirit praying for God's will in our lives. How do I know that? Because we read that in Romans 8:27 last week. In moments when we feel sad, depressed, or your emotions are everywhere, we can quote the Psalms over ourselves. We did a we're, we're going we did a sermon here on my podcast 
uh, it was titled, um, um, what was it called? Um, Understanding Our Emotions Through Prayer. And we looked at Psalm 77. It's one of my favorite psalms. But we're, but in moments when we feel sad, depressed, or emotions are everywhere, we can quote we can quote Psalm seventy seven ten through eleven over ourselves. I will remember, or sorry, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out His right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all of your mighty deeds. And if you feel there's moments where you do quote that of yourself and you just continue to feel down, that's okay. That's normal. The, 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 I, I'm not going to sit here and say you need to do more and do more of this. No, there, there are psalms. Psalm 88, for example, is a psalm where it doesn't end in hope. The author is... Hopeless at the end. Go read it yourself. We can quote a similar verse in moments of when we're going through depression or sadness or crazy emotions. In Psalm 143, verse 5, out of the NIV, I remember the days of long ago, and I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. We're going to end here and I'm going to come up with a part two because I'm not, I'm not going to be able to finish the rest of this with the seven and a half minutes that I have. So, Father, we thank you so much for your word and how you have given it to us to equip us. I pray that if this is the only part my listener is to listen to, I pray that you would just equip them in the right way, Lord. I pray for if they are going through certain uh, spiritual warfare or it's psychological, Father, I do pray you would reveal to them what it is. But Lord, I would also pray that they would put their hope in, in, in eternal life and what is to come. That they would know I will have hard days, I will have trials. But I will continue to endure because I know this is not my home. That that I have a place in Christ. That I've trusted him for my sins and I've repented for my sins. I've turned away. You've given me a new heart. You've changed my life, Lord. You have grafted me into your kingdom. Pray for grace in people's weaknesses, Lord. Thank you for this part one, Lord. And we just, we thank you again for your word and how it equips us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, beloved. Lord willing, I'll see you in part two. God loves you.